Let's just pray together, shall we? Lord Jesus, we thank you for this moment in time. We thank you that we get to gather together freely to worship and to encourage and to discover more about you and each other. Lord, we think of the many people around the world who are celebrating your love today and and gathering in churches all around the world. Lord, we know that in some countries it's difficult for your body to meet. And so we just pray for them right now, Lord. We lift them up to you. We know that your word says when one part of the body hurts, we also hurt, another part hurts. And so, Lord, uh, we pray that you would strengthen your church, strengthen your bride, teach us how to love one another better and how to encourage one another. And, Lord, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Holy Spirit, I pray that as we open the word tonight that you would just illuminate things to us highlight things that perhaps we haven't seen before or haven't thought of before, bring a new revelation to us, that we would grow, that we would change, that we would be more fruitful. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Well, good evening, everyone. Um, As I said earlier, my name's Angela, and uh, my husband Josh and I came to Canberra in 2006, and we actually lived here until 2018. Uh, and uh, along the way, in, in, during those years, we started what was Life City Church and has since become Divergent Church, the church that you are gathering with today. And so it's been an incredible journey. We have we absolutely loved living in Canberra. We loved being a part of the community here and um, just sharing our lives, learning so much about Jesus and about people and about... Uh, the mission that we have as a community and as a church. And in 2018, we relocated our family. We have four children, and we um, moved to Izmir, a city in Turkey in the Middle East. And so we live on the west coast of Turkey. Izmir is a city of five million people. Uh, It has some similarities to Canberra. It's a university city. There are many, many young people who have travelled from all across Turkey to come and live in Izmir to study. It's also a very political city, and um, we try very much not to get involved in any of that at all. Uh, If you know anything about world politics and news at the moment, you'll know that the Middle East is quite a... There's a lot going on in politics and in those kind of things. Uh, But we... Are really, and I'm going to get into this a little bit more tonight, but really we are doing in Turkey what we were doing here, living as disciples and followers of Christ and um, learning to disciple others, baptizing people, um, learning what it means to obey the word and actually live it out in our life. What does that look like in 2017, 2018? What does that look like today in 2020? Uh, And so it There's a lot of love that we have for you guys and um, I really can't express in words how much it means for me to be here with you tonight. Um, It's it's a difficult journey to move really to the other side of the world, literally, Uh, to be learning a new language, to be in a culture that is actually you... Sometimes on the surface level, you know, with globalisation, you can kind of think that we're all kind of the same, we're into the same music, we like the same things, and then you kind of scratch the surface and you start to realise there's big differences. 
big cultural differences in the way that we think, in the way that we view the world. And so the challenge for us is to uh, learn about Turkey, learn its history, learn its culture, and um, express the love of Jesus to the people that we meet every day. And you know, you guys have that same challenge. The same challenge is, it's for all of us, is to learn about the people and the culture that we live in and how we are best able to share the love of Jesus. And so we've been talking over the last two weeks about our language because who knows that our language is creative. Language actually forms our future. There's power in the words that we say. And sometimes, I don't know about you if you've ever thought much about it, but occasionally there are words that kind of slip into our vocabulary or phrases that we say that perhaps we haven't thought about much. We haven't really considered what they mean. I know even as we're learning a language, we're realizing that you can learn words, you can learn a vocabulary, but it's a whole other thing to learn the meaning of those words, to learn how to communicate in a way that you're actually being understood. And I think even when we're speaking English, we can sometimes say things that we haven't really thought about. We haven't thought about their meaning. And so you guys have been looking at, um, over the last two weeks, you've looked at discipleship and what discipleship looks like, true discipleship. The idea that, um, I think you, you looked at the question, you know, who is discipling me? And is it kind of an accurate question to ask or to, to look for kind of one person in life that might mentor us or disciple us when it actually the Bible really shows us a pattern of discipleship that is community-focused, that we have a responsibility to invest. And as we all invest, we disciple one another and we, we, we do life and community and follow Christ together. And I believe you also looked at the language around church and, you know, often we can say we're going to church uh, when in actual fact the truth is we are the church. And it might seem like, you know, not much of a difference, but I think in our language it's important to be speaking the truth about who we are because when you change that, when you, when you talk about, okay, I am the church, I'm a part of the body of Christ, we are the church, then when you gather perhaps not on a Sunday, but on another day, we are still the body of Christ every day, not just on Sunday. And so we don't just go to church, but we are the church. And so tonight, I want to um, talk to you about a phrase that you may have heard people say over time. And I think that this phrase can be used as a bit of an excuse. And if we're not careful, the excuse can actually cause a bit of a division in the way that we think about the mission of the church. And so tonight, I wanted to say to you, I am not a missionary. And you might think that's a little weird because I've just explained to you that our family are over on the other side of the earth, that we're uh, discipling and planning churches and we're kind of doing all those things that you would think a missionary does. But I want to look at what we mean when we use the word missionary. Because I don't know about you, but when I talk about a missionary in this context with may, perhaps people who've grown up in the church, maybe as um, when, you know, maybe you've supported missionaries over time and you've sent money overseas, or maybe there are projects that you grew up in a church that you supported. Um, when I, you know, just kind of casually say, yeah, I'm a missionary, you are possibly, hopefully thinking the same thing. 
that I'm thinking. But when I had to explain what our family was doing when we were first deciding to move to Turkey, when I had to explain it to my unbelieving friends, um, particularly I think of many friends that I'd made through my kids' school. So my kids had friends at school and I met with their parents and I made some really close friendships there and I had to explain to them that lo and behold, our family is getting up and moving to Turkey to a place where one of my friends, actually her parents at the time had just cancelled their trip to Turkey because there'd been bombs and there was a coup and a, a coup and all that kind of stuff happening. I mean, she was angry at me because we were making this decision. And, you know, some of them said to us, so, like, are you guys missionaries or something? And before I answered that question, I had to think, now, what do you mean by that? Because their idea of a missionary was very different to my idea. They had ideas of colonialism and of, um, yeah, just of, like, people coming in and really um, forcing their belief on another culture and another group take another step into where we are living now in Izmir, if I use the word missionary of myself in Izmir with a local, I will probably very quickly find myself in jail. And it's not because what we are doing is illegal. It is, we are free to share our faith in Turkey. The problem is the word missionary in English in Turkey literally in people's heads means CIA. And it doesn't matter what country you're from. So they don't think, oh, you're from Australia, so you can't possibly be an American spy. They actually literally think missionary means CIA spy and that we are being paid by our government to get information, to make friends with people and that we are sending all the information back to Australia, to our government. And that may seem really silly to you and you might think, you know, in no way are Turks stupid at all. It is not a silly thought for them. There is actually a hundred years of history and reason for them to think that. And so I'm, I'm telling you this because, you know, language is really important. We have to know what we want to communicate and then know how it's being understood when we communicate it. And so we don't use this word at all in Turkey. Um, nobody mentions it. We do, though, tell people about our faith. We do tell them that we believe in Jesus, that we love him, that we've come here to share our faith. And that's cool. They're okay with that. So it's interesting. I wonder if you've ever thought about a, a Christian expat, um, like an expatriate, a professional who is working in another country overseas. Um, and if you've ever thought about what the difference is between a missionary and a Christian expat wonder if you've ever considered what the difference is between a Christian student who comes from another country and comes to live in Australia to study. And I know we have many people like that in ANU at UC. Or perhaps you yourself have travelled to another country to study. Uh, have you ever considered yourself to be a missionary or would you say, no, 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 I'm definitely not a missionary. Um, I'm just a Christian student living in another country. What about a Christian immigrant? Do we think there's a difference in these roles? My understanding of Scripture is that God does not see a difference in the sense that he has one mission for his church. He does not separate 
the way that we do missions and say, well, there's one group of people that should be doing it and another group of people that shouldn't be, and you can all still be Christians. Does that make sense? He's, he has one mission for his church. Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And so I want you to imagine a man walking into his local cafe, sitting down and striking up a conversation with someone that gradually leads to a discussion around Jesus. Or perhaps you can imagine a mother in a local park at the playground with her children and she's sitting next to a grandmother who's watching her grandchildren and somewhere along the line the discussion comes to spiritual things and it comes to life and it comes to maybe what's going to happen uh, when after we die. How would you identify somebody like that? What would you consider them to be? Are they a missionary? Are they on mission in their community? And so we live in the most unreached nation in the world, in Turkey. My heart is to see people all around me become all-in disciples devoted to his kingdom. Have you guys heard that before? Have you heard that phrase? That is our mission here, right, in Canberra, is to see all-in disciples devoted to his kingdom. And so what I want to emphasize tonight is no matter where we are, no matter what our work, our career, uh, no matter where God takes us, we are all on the same mission to see his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And so there are three statements that I think we can make sometimes in error, which can just bring up some problems. And I want to just quickly look at them tonight. The first one that I have heard people say is, oh, I'm not a missionary my gifting is pastoral. Or it might sound like, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not a missionary. My gifting is to teach. Or I have the gift of hospitality. I'm not a missionary. And what I want you to do is, if you have a paper Bible with you tonight, this only works if you have a paper Bible, turn to Revelations chapter 22, verse 21. And I know it's a bit old school and there's probably not that many people with paper Bibles. Um, but I'll make my point quickly. Revelations 22, 21, it's the final verse in Scripture. Now turn a couple more pages, and what you will possibly find in the back of your Bible is some maps. It might not be in everyone's Bible, but uh, traditionally we would find maps in the back of our Bible. If you have a glance over those maps, who's seen those maps before in the back of Bibles? There will be a title on one of those maps that says, Paul's Missionary Journeys. Can I tell you tonight, that is the only place in a Bible where you will ever find the word missionary. It is not a spiritual gift. And I emphasize this because I think at times we have made it into a spiritual gift. And we have sought the Lord at times for the gifts and the talents that he places in our lives. Or we have even seen people at work and gone, wow, like they just have a missionary gifting. But in actual fact, God calls all the different gifts that he gives, and the, the gifts, when I talk about the spiritual gifts, they are in the Bible. Um, we find them, Paul writes about them, and we see them in other places. Uh, those gifts are given for the equipping of the saints. They're given for us to express the love of God in our life, 
and God has given them to us so that they can go all around the world. We need all of those giftings in every place where we minister and where we are sharing the gospel. And so tonight, uh, you may have a pretty good idea of what you kind of lean to and what your gifts are. Um, But the question that I'm asking you is, where is God asking you to use those gifts? So just don't ever limit yourself to thinking, well, you know, I'm not a missionary. That's not my gifting because it's not a spiritual gift. Does that make sense? Secondly, I think sometimes we can say, okay, I'm not a missionary. My call is to be an engineer or my call is to be a doctor or I really feel called into the secular world. I don't know if you've ever heard this perhaps in church environments where we have people who are called into ministry and people who are called into the secular world. And I want to suggest tonight that actually we need to bring those two things back together, that God gifts us, he enables us, we have the ability to learn new skills, to train, and that that is absolutely a wonderful thing that God has given us while you are in your workplace, while you are learning, while you are discovering more about the world and who God is calling you to be, you are on mission. God is equipping you. As a body of Christ, we are encouraging one another and helping each other in our workplaces. We need Christians who are building cities. We need Christians who are speaking into students and, you know, encouraging and loving kids as they come along to school. We need Christians who are learning psychology and doing counselling. That can be your mission field. That can be your place where you are on mission. And thirdly, I know I've even said this myself, I'm not a missionary. I could never live in a jungle. (laughs) I could never go that far. I could never give up my life to the, you know, maybe to the point of death. Maybe I might be asked to do that at some point in my life. I wonder if you've ever read books about incredible uh, people who've gone before us, Christians, heroes of the faith, people like Hudson Taylor who went to China, uh, a guy by the name of Samuel Zwemer. He was the first um, modern-day Christian to go to the Middle East and to reach out to Muslims. And in fact, not many people have done that even since. He did it back in the like 1700s. Um, even now, the Middle East is one of the most unreached nations. And we look at it with a bit of intimidation. Oh, I could never do that. I wonder if you've said those words about your own situation here in Canberra. Oh, isn't that person amazing? But I could never do that. I remember as a child hearing uh, somebody speaking who was working in Uganda as a missionary and uh, I remember her saying when she first felt called to Africa and, uh, and to go there and work, her, one of her first thoughts was, God, I could never do that. I can't live without my hairdryer. Like we have these, and I know it's laughable and fortunately she went and still um, has done an amazing job in Uganda. But we have these moments of intimidation where we do feel like we look at other people and we think, oh, God, I could never do that. 
And what I want to remind us of is that if we think like that, it will limit us and it will limit the work of God in our life. It will limit him. The only reason these people are heroes is because they allowed the Holy Spirit to work in their life. And I don't have to be like Hudson Taylor or like Amy Carmichael. I don't have to be like the many people that I look up to. I love them. I am inspired by them. I am challenged by them. But God is working in and through me in a place in time, a place in history, and I can trust that he will accomplish what his plan is as I work with him. And so as we look at these questions and as we think about these statements, I wonder if perhaps we can change our language. Hudson Taylor writes, about China. China is not to be won for Christ by quiet, ease-loving men and women. The stamp of men and women we need is such as will put Jesus, China and souls first and foremost in everything at every time. Even life itself must be secondary. Now today many would argue that there are more genuine believers in China than there are in the whole of the US and in Europe combined. I mean, that's phenomenal. That's incredible that one man, and I know there have actually, it's not only him, there have been many others who have gone to China, but he was one of the first to go and really spark revival in China. Um, And, you know, I I can't speak for the hearts of those people, um, but the statistics do show us that there are many, many now believing in China because of the many faithful people who have gone and who have been obedient. And I hope, my belief is that this same statement that Hudson Taylor made about China can also be said for Australia. It is not, Australia is not to be won for Christ by quiet, ease-loving men and women. The stamp of men and women we need is such as will put Jesus, Australia and souls first and foremost in everything and at every time. Even life itself must be secondary. And so can I encourage you that you don't have to be like the people around you. Yes, we can imitate one another and we can be encouraged by one another. But there are gifts and there are talents in your life that God wants to use in the friendships and the relationships that you are building. And so can I encourage you to not get distracted by those things? And so while not all of us may be missionaries in the traditional sense, we are all on mission from Jerusalem, from Canberra, from Queanbeyan, from Turkey to the very ends of the earth. Jesus said to his own disciples in John 20, 20, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So as we consider our language, I think there are four uh, questions that I'm just quickly going to give you. You can write these down because I believe these questions are timeless. 
They're the kinds of questions that you will be asking yourself as a teenager, maybe in your early 20s as you're finishing your studies or looking at job prospects. They're the kinds of questions you ask when your circumstances are changing, maybe when things are a bit unsettled and you don't know what the future holds. And I think they help reflect a little bit more what God is asking of us and what Scripture tells us. And so the first question that we can ask is, what does God require of me? So rather than asking, should I be a missionary? Should I be a pastor? God, what spiritual gifts are you giving me? I think it's better sometimes that we ask, Lord, what are you requiring of me? What are you asking of me in this moment? And can I tell you that the answer actually is, love the Lord, with all, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. And so the challenge in this question is, God, how do I love my neighbor? How do I love you with all my heart, all my mind, all my soul? How do I love my neighbor? How do I make disciples? Secondly, we can ask, how has God enabled me? Perhaps you might like to ask, what experiences have I already been through in life that might connect with somebody? Maybe when you're eating with somebody this week, having dinner with them, there will be experiences that come up that you connect over, that you've had, you've shared, got shared experiences. Or maybe you've got very different experiences. And so there is, you know, there's these experiences that we go through, there are struggles that we have in life that we can actually use to share the gospel and to, to share the testimony of God and what he's done in our life. Our vulnerabilities and our weaknesses, Paul tells us in Corinthians that it's in our weakness that God is made strong. And often, I, I don't know about you, but we want to hide our weakness, we want to cover it over. But can I suggest to you that some of your weaknesses, your vulnerabilities, God is going to use them to make a powerful difference in somebody's life. Don't be too quick to try to cover them over or to hide them. Thirdly, who has God called me to reach out to? You know, we talk about these questions because they can become excuses that prevent us from sharing our faith. And it reminds me of the rich young ruler who came to Jesus and he really made an excuse when he said to Jesus, but Lord, who is my neighbor? And I think the rich young ruler at that time, he was trying to get out of loving people. He didn't want to, uh, you know, he was kind of trying to trick Jesus up and he was hoping that he would get a little um, easy exit out of what the real call is and that is to sacrifice, to give up. And, you know, Jesus had already said to him, I'll give everything you have to the poor, you know, love the Lord your God and whatever. And he was like, yeah, but, you know, God, who is my neighbor? Or Jesus, who is my neighbor? Like, really? It's the person that you're living next to. It's, and Jesus actually challenges us even more and says, it's not actually just the person you're living next to. It's not the person who looks like you or who speaks like you. It's actually, and he tells the story of the good Samaritan, and the Samaritans were the Jews' enemies. And he's like, it's the person that you don't like. It's the person that doesn't speak like you. It's the person that doesn't think like you. I don't know about you, but I find that challenging. And so we can ask God, who are you? Who can I reach out to? And lastly, who can I reach people with? 
I love that God's mission is a plural communal mission. God's mission is for his church. It is not just for you or just for me. It is for us. And so it is so important that we reach out and that we love our community together. Because I don't know about you, but I cannot do it on my own. And yes, I can do it with Jesus, but I also want to do it with you. We learn from one another. We support one another. We encourage one another. We challenge one another. It's my Christian brothers and sisters who correct me when I speak out of turn, when I'm not doing well in my marriage. They're the ones who speak into my life and say, hang on a minute, you know, what are you doing? What are you thinking here? Let's get back on the right page. And so we need one another. We are a missionary people because we pray, we give, we send, we sacrifice. We give some level of our own comfort so others can know Jesus in lands, in languages, in locations where the truth and grace of Jesus is unknown. Jesus never sent people alone. Rather, he sends us under protection and under the covering of the community and the church that we are in. So I am not a missionary. Okay, maybe I am. Maybe I do go to other lands and and minister cross-culturally. But in essence, I am on mission, the same mission that you are on. We are in this together. There is no separation. Revelations chapter 7, verse 9. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. This is what we are working for. This is the great vision that will one day be accomplished and that we are on mission to be a part of. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are so grateful for your mission because there was a time when we didn't know you. We ourselves were not worthy of you. And yet, you died for us. And somewhere along the line, somebody sacrificed and gave up their time, gave money, sat down and had a meal, spoke some words that made a difference in our life. Lord, I just pray that as we go this week, that we would do the same for somebody else. That we would be open to those moments, those opportunities, wherever we are, that we would be the kind of people that just uh, give, the kind of people that are whatever it takes people to see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you go with us, that you never leave us, and I thank you for your church. Lord, I thank you that wherever we are, we are a part of your body. We give all the honour and all the glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen.